0: Taken from Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 to 52. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who is looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value... He went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in the baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like an owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, folks. Good to be with you. Wasn't that great? That's really, really encouraging. Why don't we pray together? Father, we pray that you would just enliven our hearts and our minds, uh, help us to see you afresh, perhaps today, uh, more so than we have in a while. Encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we're going to take a look at um, this uh, last bit of chapter 13. We've been working through and we're carrying on into 14 and 15. Um, we are talking this morning about the start and end of faith. The start and the end of faith. Um, there's uh, The kind of thing that you can, you'll find on social media from time to time, which I enjoy, you know I enjoy these kind of things, where um, people talk about how things started and then how they're going or how they've carried on, you know, how they've, how they've ended. Um, and uh, so uh, this one was posted by our Chancellor um, uh, not so long ago, um, where uh, he posted a picture of how it started, um, and then how it was, uh, how it's going, um, and you know there he is, looking kind of cute in the one. He looks vaguely like me, I know. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, I could probably have a go at this myself. So here's how it started, um, and here's here's how it's going. If you if you've been with us during lockdown, you'll have seen those pictures have been around before. Credit goes to Jez. For, the, for putting together the one, um, I've never worn those colours in my life since then, but um, there they are. Anyway, so how it started, how it's going, um, and where it's up to. Um, Jesus has been talking, with, he's been talking with the crowds and the disciples, he's been talking about faith responses, and that's much of what we're thinking about at the moment um, in this series. Um, faith responses, if you remember the parable of the soils. And he seems to be at this point in the chapter, there are times when he's talked to the crowds, there are times when he's talked to the disciples, he seems to be talking particularly to the disciples at this point. And I guess I've been wrestling with these parables that we'll look at, about why did he connect these parables? Why did he tell them these at the the end of his little section of teaching them? Why focus on these parables here? And I think it is because they are sort of fairly straightforwardly about the start, and the end of faith. And there were things that he wanted. I know it's quite a huddle with his disciples, but he wanted to to teach them and to say, look, things you need to be on the lookout for. Um, The first two parables, the treasure and the pearl, are about the start, starting out in faith. Uh, The net, as we'll see, is about the end or ending in faith. And I think there were a couple of questions that he wanted them to ask or be aware of as they were going to go forward from then on. And they are simply, how did you start and how will you finish? How did you start and how will you finish? Um, and we'll look at those two. And the first two parables are, how did you start? They're just short. I'll read them again. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And they're talking about the value and the worth of Jesus and his kingdom. As Pete was taking us through and talking about this treasure, the treasure, the value of it. And they are both about coming across this amazingly valuable find. Now, I don't know what sort of spheres of knowledge you have, and there'll be things that you know where you know the value of stuff, perhaps more than um, uh, other people would. Um, uh, For me, um, it would be, I, I love second-hand bookshops. I love going to look through second-hand bookshops. I can lose myself for hours in them, and I love rummaging around. It's partly because I always wish or hope that at some point, you know, you're kind of rummaging through and you'll stumble on some fabulously valuable book um, that is there, and, and not in the kind of, the, these days, second-hand bookshops, they know the value of these things, and those, those books get locked away in cabinets. Um, but you want to stumble in some backwater bookshop, and you stumble across some fabulously first edition of something famous, and they don't know that it's that valuable, and it's just got two pounds written inside the cover. And you think, oh, I know this is worth thousands. As you kind of imagine sort of stumb- stumbling across this great um, uh, treasure. And they're both parables here about the anticipation of this valuable thing that you might find, and it being so worthwhile that you would sell everything that you have to get it. You discover something and think, this is just so precious to me that I I, I really, I I must kind of make sure I can get hold of this. And so Jesus is talking about the joy of faith, the joy of starting out the Christian faith, the joy of faith of finding him, of what he means and who he is, So often I imagine we sometimes get in our minds that the Christian faith is this sort of miserable thing that you sign yourself up to. I don't know if you ever think that. Or perhaps the joy of finding Jesus was there at some point, but it's just receded into the background. You kind of vaguely remember that there was this joy you had somewhere at some point, but now it feels more like drudgery. For me, the joy of finding Jesus, I think, just lay in the kind of the growing discovery of God's grace and what that meant, uh, particularly just realizing that I didn't have to have everything all together in life. Actually, that gradual discovery for somebody who, you know, worked, had worked pretty hard, was trying to sort of do things and trying to sort of live by a kind of wisdom. Actually, it was, there was a kind of joy, a kind of almost a sheer relief in discovering God's grace actually comes freely to all of you, to all of us. It's not about how much you've accumulated or achieved or how well you've done things. There was a, there was a joy in finding that. I don't know what it might be about Jesus, his character, his kingdom, discovering the gospel. And for some of us, the question might be, have you started? Have you started with Jesus? Have you found that? I can't, um, I can't sort of you know, whip up joy in, in anyone. No one can. Actually, the question really for you is, have you found that joy in Jesus yet? But for many, I imagine here, and perhaps watching at home, the question might be, well, did you start... With joy. How did you start? Was there once a joy, a love, a, just a freshness, a delight in who Jesus was? You saw his character in the Gospels. You understood perhaps a little of what he was coming to offer, the forgiveness that he gave. Was there a joy there? And Jesus is saying, I think, this is a key question for you disciples here. You're going to need to be on the lookout for those expressions of joy, those, that, that delight. Actually, when you see that, that's a, a real sign of something. It's a really good question. How did you start? But it's not the only question. And the second question is, how will you finish The third parable is quite different in tone. It's quite different in subject matter. It's about this um, fishing um, expedition. Once again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled uh, pulled up on the shore. They sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable, how will you finish? This parable is about the end. Um, just to set the scene and fill out the details of, of what it was like, let's imagine there's a sort of fishing family. And um, perhaps imagine a young girl as part of the family. And they're going to go out for the regular fishing uh, trip. And the kind of net that's described here is this large drag net, which would have perhaps been between two boats or perhaps connected to the shore in a long and steady process over some time of sweeping through gradually collecting everything in the sea in its path and you can imagine perhaps the little girl sort of um uh, watching as this process begins and going look mum, dad look look it's really filling up it's it's, it's really starting to uh we, we're getting a lot here you know and then and dad are it's okay just let's just wait don't worry not yet and you kind of the time goes on and the the sh- the, the net is being dragged across and it's really starting to bulge and fill now and the girl is kind of, you know, surely, surely now, yeah, just, just hang on, not quite yet. And then, of course, we get to the end of the day or the end of the time, and they drag the whole thing up onto shore, land everything there. It's a great mix of everything that they've gathered, and only then do they sit down. And then, of course, they begin to need to sort out. What are the what are the fish? Okay, we can eat those. That's that's great. But what is actually? That's not uh, that's a that's a dead fish. That's that's rotten fish. That's not even a fish at all. You know, if it was today, I imagine unfortunately we'd be sort of landing it all and then sorting out what the fish were from what was the plastic and the bottles and the things that are polluting our seas. And Jesus' point is in the parable: you won't know until the end. You don't see until the end. Just a couple of side notes. Verse 49 then talks about, this is how it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. And the righteous, I guess sometimes we, we, I think we can hear this and it, um, it can be um, tricky in our minds. The righteous in the Old Testament were those who made sacrifices, who sought forgiveness from God. It's not, if we hear it this way, sometimes we hear it as, the wicked and the perfect. It's not that. The righteous in the Old Testament were those who came. They had an attitude, a a coming to God, seeking his forgiveness. There are plenty of examples in the Old Testament. It's not those who were perfect. Actually, being imperfect was built in. It was that attitude, humble attitude of coming to the Lord. So the, the, the sorting at the end is between those with living faith and a heart-oriented to God, and those with not faith. Now, I suspect our problem might well be that we also think, surely there is a third category for not necessarily a Christian, but generally all right. And the problem and the difficulty is, I can't get around that Jesus doesn't give us a third category. And we perhaps come to him and and say, Lord, why, why isn't there a third category? But he doesn't give one. And in the story, the sorting which comes at the end is the sorting out. So the words here are just, that it is sorting between edible fish and those who sort of, is not edible and, and rotten and, and you can't use. And Jesus' point here is that we're not going to know until the end. A bit like the parable of the weeds and the wheat last week, it grows up together and it's only at the end does the sorting happen. Now, if you put those two parables together, or those two kind of sections together, um, which I've been uh, trying to encourage us to do, and to think, why has Jesus brought these together? What has he got his disciples together, and why is he wanting them to know this? I think if you put them together in the start and the end, how did you start? How would you finish? We see faith is a long game. And one of the things I think he's trying to encourage them to see is faith is a long game. First, he's saying, yes, you know, Or, great question is, have you found me and my kingdom to be so valuable that you would do anything to be in it? Is there that joy? Where is your joy? Is it still in me? But then he couples that and says, will you still be there at the end? Will you still be there at the end? Like the parable of the soils. Tim, when he um, spoke to us a couple of weeks ago, talk, took us through the parable of the soils And do you remember he talked about the soil, the rocky um, ground, and there was described as somebody receives the faith with joy, but the joy is short-lived, and it doesn't last. It doesn't have sort of it's not uh, there's not anywhere for the roots to grow, and it doesn't stay. Um, And so the question of that joy is that joy deep and lasting? It's not necessarily saying that it's happy all the time, but is it a deep conviction? about the Lord and what he offers. And I think Jesus is saying to them, you will need a long view of maturity and perseverance, and we won't know fully until the end. Um, One of the writers that I've talked about from time to time um, is a woman called Hannah Anderson, um, and she's uh, an American writer. Um, I find her really um, interesting and engaging. And she was talking about and writing about this uh, topic of keeping going, of the long game of faith, if you like. And um, she describes how faith is, she describes it as a, faith is a tenuous thing. And that actually keeping our faith, we need to think about this, we need to cultivate it and nurture it. And she describes it as this: she says, keeping our faith is not, it's not hunkering down um, and repressing questions and fending off the world. Instead, keeping our faith is creating space for faith to grow and to flourish and to root out things like fear, control, anger, consumption, all those things that choke out faith. Are we attentive to that? And then if I can put these words on the screen here, she says this, I think part of remaining in the faith must include the awareness of how easily faith dies within our hearts, our own hearts. That faith is a growing, living thing that must be cultivated and cared for, that toxic or infertile environments can kill it. She goes on to say it should also bring a great deal of empathy for those who struggle to believe, because we know how fragile faith is. Of course people doubt. Of course people have questions. Of course it's a mystery. I think there's so much truth in what she's writing. And, and just as it reflects back on, on Matthew 13 and the, the way we've seen that um, uh, at different points, um, what that looks like and how we think about that, that conversation could take us in so many good directions. And in some ways, if you take anything from today, it would be... what. Ponder that. Take that away. Talk about it over lunch or later in the week. How, how do we think that through? How do we think through faith for the long haul? I think a couple of things that perhaps come out of Matthew 13, our parables and, uh, and what we've seen, are just a couple of things here and, and reflecting a little bit on uh, what I've just said there. Firstly, ask questions. Ask questions. Faith doesn't come by burying doubts or by sort of trying to keep a lid on questions that we have. Um, actually, faith grows when we talk, when we, when we ask one another these questions, when we raise the kind of questions we think we're not allowed to have. Um, if you're a, a teenager here um, this morning, Pathfinder or Platformer perhaps, um, this, um, this book is just it, it's fairly newly published. Um, I haven't read it yet. Um, my eldest has. Um, I've read, uh, it's by Rebecca McLaughlin. Um, I've, written, I've read um, a book that uh, she's written, which was a sort of, Companion to it, but um, 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. And it's, a, it's brilliant, it, just, it, it goes through um, a whole list of really hard questions um, that you might have. Um, is Christianity against diversity? Um, uh, yeah, Does, has uh, science disproved Christianity? All sorts of questions that you might have, have or want to ask or answer. Um, Asking questions, creating a culture where we can do that um, is so valuable. Ask questions. Secondly, to listen. To listen to what is going on in the church and in the world. Um, if, we, like if I'm being very honest, I think we're seeing that the evangelical church um, has created some pretty toxic environments that have caused great difficulty for people. We're seeing both in America um, and in the UK. I think we will need to listen and to reflect on some of those. That point that Hannah Anderson makes, that toxic or infertile environments can kill faith, bears thought and reflection. There are those who, through the processes of that, would say they have lost their faith. We need to be able to listen to why that is. And hear and think through. Jesus is offering these questions, I think, and he's gathered his disciples and and, as if to say, look, the start and the end, think these things through. You're going to need to be uh, aware of, look for those real professions of faith for sure, the joy that comes, but don't get too caught up in someone starting out in faith. In many ways, God willing, what I hope we are all aiming for is faith into our 70s and 80s and 90s? And if you are somebody in your 70s or 80s or 90s, will you turn around and see those who are coming behind you and say and encourage them and say, faith is possible? Do you know that? That is, God willing, what we are praying and aiming for, I hope, in, as, a, as a church family and a, a household of God together. I had the privilege of um, being with um, Betty uh, Gittings in the last few days before she died um, in hospital a couple of weeks ago. Um, And at various points when I went in to see her, there were some days where she really wasn't able to say very much or speak um, very much. Um, On one of the days when I went in to see her, she had a little bit more voice, and we talked a little um, and and prayed. um, And she said to me, I know that God loves me, and I know that he's with me. And that is faith at the end. And that is, God willing, what he longs for us. And we have to think through how we are going to be that church family that encourages that in one another. Why don't I pray together for us, uh, and then we'll listen to our next song. Heavenly Father, we pray that we might be those who um, both look back, perhaps to the start of faith, we see the joy, we pray for for us who do perhaps feel that that joy has receded somewhat, please enliven and refresh in our own hearts our love for you and our sense of who you are and all that you have done for us. we pray that you would be developing and cultivating in us a faith for the long haul that will, we pray, continue for for decades to come. Lord, we pray we would be a community where those uh, that is nurtured and cultivated, where questions can be asked, where doubts can be raised, where we can support and uphold one another. We pray that it might be um, just something you are working in us by your Spirit. Amen.